the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. It's all I want. She's blonde, five foot two. It's all I need, yeah. And one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. This is my America. I will never fit into that dress, but I will do it proud. On the air with me now. Incredible longtime conservative member of the Reagan administration, Frank Gaffney, and his new book, The Indictment, Prosecuting the CCP and Friends for Crimes Against America, China, and the World. Frank, welcome to the show. It's a delight to be with you. Thank you. Frank, you and I have met maybe once or twice over my time when I was in D.C., but it's been a long time. I'm so glad to speak with you over the air here. And uh, I want to just kind of know... Where do you see things playing? Uh, there have been a lot of predictions over our relationship with China. Uh, how important it is, is it that we win back the White House in 2024 for our relationship and keeping war at bay? The question depends on whether we have that much time. Oh, gosh. I think, Justin, my concern is that uh, the Chinese Communist Party uh, will not allow to slip from their grasp, the chance to uh, take up a considerable notch from the what they call unrestricted warfare they've engaged in against us for decades to the shooting war kind that is present in the person of Joe Biden as the commander in chief of the United States military. Uh, that That is... A, a window of opportunity that um, is, uh, I think, tantalizing. I believe they've put themselves in a position to exercise um, military options against not just Taiwan, but against us in this uh, next, uh, whatever it is, 15 months or so. Well, And because they are so hell-bent on their forward-thinking, progressive, one-China policy, and always in the news. They are never not in the news making headlines. It always covers up an entire background of crimes and terrible, terrible histories. And I think you're, you're, you're spot on in your book here, The Indictment. Somehow, they need to be held accountable, not for what they're going to do, which is awful, but also for what's transpired. Is that right? Yeah, let let me just have a clarification. When you say they, (laughs) are you talking about the Chinese Communist Party or are you talking about their friends like Joe Biden in the United (laughs) States or both? Um, I I think the way to think about them, and that's really the thrust of this book, is they're inseparable. The people who work inside America to enable, uh, to empower, to 
I, I think, um, incentivize even the Chinese Communist Party to act aggressively are, you know, a core part, both of the unrestricted warfare strategy of the Chinese Communist Party and of the mortal threat it poses to us. So I think that's the way to think of it. And, and to your question, I believe that the Chinese Communist Party, having assiduously sought through what's not so much nonviolent as pre-violent techniques, economic warfare, uh, political subversion and co-option, uh, elite capture, as they call it, um, energy warfare, biological warfare, um, hollowing out of our military, on and on. All of these are charges in our indictment as war crimes against our country. And I think they've, as a result of all of those steps, and, and most especially the help they've gotten from their friends, as they call them, old friends, on Wall Street, to migrate trillions of dollars from American investors uh, placed in the care of uh, their financial managers and the like, pension fund managers, and Wall Street mavens, that have actually been sluiced to the Chinese Communist Party and has, as a result, enabled so much of the danger that we are now facing. So that's all going on. Uh, but the, cha the challenge that we face today is different, I think, um, for internal reasons, uh, notably, you know, a, a banking uh, system collapse, a real estate bubble, demographic disaster, mm. environmental horrors, all of them, you know, uh, brought to the people of China by the Chinese communists. Um, you now have Xi Jinping, I think, desperately doing, as tyrants often do, calculating that he needs a foreign boogeyman to blame for the kind of repression and sacrifice that he's going to inflict on those people still further. A hundred million of them have been killed, by the way, by the Chinese Communist Party, and that doesn't count the 400 million they murdered in the womb, which they have taken, you know, to boasting about. But all of that's gone on to this point, and I think Xi now feels between the irresistible temptation of acting with Joe Biden in the White House, a controlled asset of the Chinese Communist Party, is the way to think of it, I believe, and their home situation being as uh, difficult as it is at the moment, that the plans they put in place to act both, yes, against Taiwan, but also against other friends and allies of ours in the region and us are now ready to go at any moment. And uh, we did a chilling, if I may just say one last thing, we did a chilling webinar. This whole book, the indictment, is really drawn from 70-odd um, webinars that our Committee on the Present Danger China has done over the past uh, 11 or 12 months. But here's the, the most recent one done just today, which should be posted shortly at presentdangerchina.org, and we invite your audience to take a look at it, is about the numbers of Chinese nationals who have a couple of characteristics in common. They're unaccompanied, fighting age, men with seemingly virtually identical kits that they're wearing on their backs and the like, and um, seemingly moving in organized groups 
through the Darien Gap or elsewhere <laughs> in Mexico to our border and over it and now being distributed all over our country, which creates the opportunity for that shooting war of China, not only to be something that is inflicted on us from outside our borders, but also from inside at the hands of what may be, by some estimates, five, the equivalent at least of five battalions of Chinese People's Liberation Army Special Forces operatives. Now, it's somewhat speculative. We don't know the exact number. We don't know where they are. But that is what some informed eyewitnesses are suggesting is what we're contending with at the what moment. A, what a crazy scene. And, of course, you know, they distract with these crazy balloon stories that were shooting down with missiles off of our very expensive planes. And the espionage issues. Just the other day, Volt Typhoon, we talked about this yesterday, and their uh, infiltration of military bases like on Guam. And then you think about the... The uh, the chauffeur of our own Senator Feinstein for 30 years who was passing secrets on any one of those stories uh, beyond the balloons should have taken up as much space as the balloons did. But we just talk balloons all day and then it goes away. Uh, they're masters of distraction at this, aren't they? Yeah, distraction, deception, surprise, um, and at all times, a patience. That means uh, you can pursue a given uh, target or opportunity in incremental steps so that they're not as noticeable. All of that is part of the the doctrine, uh, the tradition of the Chinese going back to Sun Tzu's time, you know, uh, millennia ago. These are people who are deadly serious about becoming the hegemonic superpower of the world. And the thing that stands in the way is us. Mm. And therefore, we must be taken down. And by the way, they share that belief with some other unsavory characters, uh, the World Economic Forum, the Davos uh, guys, uh, the Islamists, the, I call them Sharia supremacists. They, they all have in mind a new order in which they rule. Um, but they are prepared to make common cause with the Chinese Communist Party for the moment because their common enemy is us. We're in the way of all of their ambitions. So that's really the point here. And and what we try to get at is not just admire the problem in this book, The Indictment, but to offer 20 actionable steps that we must take if we're to save our country from what these characters have in mind for us. You know, uh, let me ask you, Mark Stein brought this up a decade and a half ago. Many people have noted, I think you have too, they're obviously in a bit of a population crunch. The the one-child policy and the select uh, sex abortions have really caused quite the demographic havoc there. Uh, probably 100 million 30-year-old Chinese men who have no chance for a bride because of sex-selected abortion, and the average age is growing. I think they peaked in population just this year. What impact will that have? Will they have enough people to take over the world, or is this just going to make them move up the timeline and make them more desperate? A very good question. Uh, I haven't heard the number as high as 100 million. I've heard 40 million. Perhaps. Maybe I'm expanding it out to – I'm 50 years old and I've got young kids. Maybe that's the range there. Yeah. Well, look, and and they're in a demographic decline. That's for sure. That's one of the reasons why I say I think Xi Jinping is um, now – 
uh, feeling pressure to act aggressively. Uh, you can find women for those 40 million men mm. elsewhere around the world. Yeah, if just, you engage just across in, the border in know, Russia there, right? Col- colonialism and aggression and so on. Yeah. Um, the, the, the question of whether they can pull out of it or not is an interesting one. Um, I think one of the things that they have in mind, and, and this is in the book, it's a statement from a man who 20 years ago, a general by the name of Chi Hao Chen, made to a closed group of party cadre in which he said, uh, not only there's going to be a lot of talk about Taiwan, but the United States is the main enemy. He also said that a few years before, uh, the then ruler of the Chinese Communist Party, Deng Xiaoping, gave as its mission to the uh, illegal, by the way, biological warfare program of China, uh, the job of depopulating the United States. Mm so that it could be colonized by China. So, you know, one answer to your own population crisis is to lay waste everybody else's. Uh, you're still going to be more numerous than they are, perhaps, or and you can always try to enslave and have work for you, the people uh, who you haven't finished off, murdered, uh, and the like. And, and by the way, I, I, I think it's important Justin, talk about for just another minute this um, this uh, crimes against humanity business of the Chinese Communist Party. As I said, it's unprecedented in human history that any regime, any government, any king, you know, whatever, who tyrants has ever done as monstrous a job against its own people as have the Chinese communists. But why that's particularly important, aside from the the moral horror of it all is the fact that any government that treats its people as badly as they have is not going to treat ours well if they can get their hooks into us. So for all these reasons, we have got to be clear about the nature of this enemy. We've got to be equally clear about the people who are aiding and abetting them in our own country. And one of the things that we recommend is that they be understood as what they are. Not a not a political party, not even really a, a governing party. They are a transnational criminal organization, right? A mafia on steroids. So all of these crimes, whether it's crimes against humanity, it's war crimes against us, must be prosecuted at a minimum in the court of public opinion here in the United States, so that we're clear about it. And we can figure out the sorts of things that we identify in the book, the indictment that need to be done now, if we are to not only uh, mm-hmm. deter the kind of conflict that the Chinese have in mind for us, the shooting war that I'm talking about, but also survive our nation from everything else that they're trying to do to us. I think you're spot on, Frank. Uh, we can find your book on Amazon, The Indictment, yes, by Frank Gaffney. Frank, a website they can find you on, too? Um, the indictment dot uh, the indictment book dot com and also presentdangerchina.org. Um, my television show is at securingamerica.tv. Frank Gaffney, folks. Justin Hart in for Andrea K. Back in a bit. AK Dynamite and Address, or just Andrea K. Whatever you call her, don't call her fake news. It's the Andrea K. Show on the Answer San Diego. Justin Hart. Closing out my week in for Andrea Kay. Now, this next topic I happen to know quite a bit about, but I'm 
glad to bring on the person who has brought to light a very, very big issue in the industry that I'm in. My day job is as a political fundraiser over text messages. Sorry, sorry, not sorry. It works. But uh, I do want to talk here. We're going to talk to Rick Berman. Rick, are you there? Yes, sir. Rick is the uh, former president of Berman & Company, a really well-respected public affairs firm. Uh, he uh, he founded that. I think he's he's gone on to do incredible things, sold that, and he's a member of the advisory board of the RAM Foundation. But uh, you've been highlighting, which I think is a very, very pertinent issue, is that people love to help veterans. The number one rule of fundraising is people give according to their means. The number one, number two rule is people give to help other people. And there is no one more worthy of help than our veterans. And of course, people take advantage of that. Isn't that right, Rick? Yeah, you know, most of the people who give, give out of emotion. They don't really have a lot of information. And there's a lot of ads that uh, tap into people's emotions of injured veterans. Um, and quite frankly, um, some of the people who are putting those ads out there are taking advantage of seniors um, and uh, and people that don't have access to, uh, to better information. You know, they don't have the money for a subscription to, for a rating agency, and, and quite frankly, some of these rating agencies uh, have rather confusing uh, confusing stats, so you don't know whether or not something is really good or not. And and uh, and quite frankly, we've just tried to overcome all of those difficulties and give people free information and better information than what's already out there. And so you have a, a kind of charity navigator, a, a good housekeeping seal of approval for all of these different PACs, the different nonprofit groups, the charities that are helping veterans and troops. Is that right? Yes, we've got about, well, actually, exactly 100 veteran charities on our website. Uh, the website is called uh, charitiesforvets.org, and there's 50 of them that we recommend. Um, most of the ones we recommend, we highly recommend. And um, then there's 50 of them that we don't recommend, and we want people to understand that <laughs> if you're going to give money to one of the ones that are not recommended, you're not going to get efficiency out of your money. Now, I know, having been in, in political realms and fundraising for most of my career, that a lot of uh, these groups start off with incredibly great intentions, and they'll have a span of time where they will do terrific work and they will they will dutifully like any good charity pass on a vast majority of their money directly to the causes and have you know a very small barely double digit administrative cost to get those things done uh but those those percentages change over time don't they don't they rick they really do um you know we have charities on our website that have less than five percent overhead and charities that are about 90% overhead. So, you know, you give to a charity with 90% overhead, 10% of your money might actually do some good for somebody. And that's ridiculous. I mean, and of course, you know, that charity can say, well, let me show you the good things that we're doing, but they're doing it with 10 cents on a dollar. And, and the other 90 cents is wasted. Now, in defense, there will be times when you're doing prospecting, right? And that costs money. But in the end, if you cannot yep. get those numbers up, you know, if, if you a lot of a lot of charities will basically they'll have a a host of consultants that kind of latch and leech onto them, 
and all of a sudden, within 10 years, you've done some good work, but now you realize that you're running a business and you need to keep these people employed, and now it becomes less about the charity and more about keeping everyone sort of you know in their own homes and keeping them employed. And it's like, whoa, 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 I think we've gotten out of whack. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're so right, Justin. You know, this is this is like the restaurant business. There are good restaurants and bad restaurants. And the difference is who's managing them. Everybody can buy the same food. They can serve the same food. They can hire the same kind of employees. But managing the managing the bottom line is what it's all about. And um, some of these guys, as you say, well-intentioned men and women run these charities. Um, quite frankly. Uh, they probably shouldn't be running a gas station and yet they're running a multi-million dollar organization and they're not mean people. They're just not competent. And, and give us a, give us an example of a, of a charity that's, that's doing some really good stuff that takes this money and spends it right for veterans and military causes. Well, firstly, uh, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to tag all the bad ones, but, right. um, uh, well, you know, people are familiar with Tunnel to Towers uh, because they do a lot of advertising, and they actually are very efficient. The guy who runs it gets a zero salary, um, and um, they've got very low overhead. They've got less than 5% overhead, and inside that overhead is their fundraising. So um, I would say that's probably a, a great example. Uh, if you go to our website and go to the ones that are not recommended, you can see a lot of horror stories. Yeah, I, I know there are plenty out there. I'm actually, um, you know, I'm very proud of of uh, the firm that I work for because we we've had some of those clients on you know on our docket, and we've raised them good money. But all of a sudden, uh, you come to realize that uh, it's not going in the right place, and we quickly cut those off. Uh, I think that's what it's going to take is a lot of these ethical, um, do the right things. And and look, you know, there are people that um, bring incredible bravery with them back from the battlefield and have powerful stories um, and are vying for, you know, their, their fellow uh, brothers in arms and sisters in arms. But uh, in the end, sometimes, like you said, they just, it may not be the best thing, uh, you know, to, to, to give to someone, uh, especially if they're the, the main point of heroics. True heroes don't necessarily flaunt it. Some flaunt it, fundraise over it, and that can sometimes get them in trouble, Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that people may not realize, you know, this conversation between us, they might not think, well, you know, there's not a whole lot of money that's going down the drain. Uh, you know, it's the kind of stuff that happens in any business. There's some waste, et cetera. But the numbers are, are astounding. The 50 charities that we have on our website that are not recommended collect over $1 billion a year. So we're talking about serious money here. And again, Every one of those charities that are not recommended probably does some good. Some of them, some of them probably do a lot of good. But think of it in an academic setting. Um, if somebody was getting um, C grades instead of an A or a B grade, why would you give money to somebody who's a C? They probably do some good stuff, but I'd rather give my money to somebody who is an A or or a B plus. And that's the difference here. Um, People should take some time to figure out which are the better places to put their money because those are the places that are going to do the most good for veterans and, the, and their families. And, and by the way, if you go to our website, you will see 
that we have put all these veteran charities in seven separate categories, housing, family support, education, uh, even service dog support, so that if you have a particular area that you would like to support veterans in, you can go to one of those categories and see all the ones that we recommend that are inside that category. And that way you really get a return on your money um, as opposed to just responding to an ad on TV or in a direct mail. Gotcha. And direct mail is a whole nother world. But let me ask you, Rick, if if someone really wants to help out, maybe they don't have the, the means to cut a check, but they would love to sort of volunteer for one of these things, what 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 is the real what's where's the place that has the most need among our veterans right now? Is it their families? Is it housing? Uh, is it mental health? What would you say is the top priority where we really need to fill the gap? You know that's a great question, and um, and it's a great question because it's not easily answered. Um, there are so many different areas. As I said, we put all the needs into seven different areas. There are, there are people who come out uh, out of the military, and they just can't figure out how to get going. Uh, they don't have any career support. They can't figure out how, how do you transition from a military career. It's almost like a guy coming out of prison. Uh, you know, how do I get a job? Um, and we actually list all the charities on our website that help people do that. Um, there are people who, who want to get ahead with a, with a better education, we show people which are the charities that will do something for you in an education way. There are families who need support. Um, we show the ones that uh, are helping out families. And housing, as you say, is a very big area. Penalty Towers is great in housing, but they're not the only ones who are doing it. If you go to our website and you just look up housing, you'll see uh, probably about eight different, maybe, no, I think there's probably more than eight. There's probably about 15 different organizations that do something for veterans and housing. And when I say something, um, we focus on a charity in a particular area if they're putting 30% of their money into that area. So if you're looking on that site and you see somebody that's doing work on housing, you know that 30, at least 30% of their money is devoted to housing. Um, this is, lot, yeah. Tell, tell us the website right again, Rick. It's charitiesforvets.org. That's fantastic news. I'm so glad that something like this exists. Definitely needed. You want to get the biggest bang for your buck for the people that bought you your freedom with their lives, with their livelihoods, their mental health, and their family sacrifice so much. Rick Berman, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on. Justin Harden for Andrea K. Last few segments here. Stay with us. We got some great surprise news. Andrea K. Telling you like it is, all while eating a donut. The Andrea K. Show on the Answer San Diego. The question is: Is the donut real? And I'm not talking about uh, the Matrix, right? I was actually just going to say: Are you talking about the spoon that isn't actually there? No, and I'm not talking about uh, the video game Portal. You know where the. The, the mood is uh, the cake is a lie, right, if you remember that line. Uh, I am talking about one of my favorite movies of all time, Christopher Nolan's 2010 film, Inception. That's a great movie. Terrific movie, and of course, uh, underscored by the score of the great Hans Zimmer. 
and you know everyone remembers kind of the scoring there. Uh, I'm assuming if you're listening to my show that you probably have seen this movie. If not, there might be a spoiler or two here. Did you ever see? Not going to distract what, you. What? Did you ever see the very similar movie Tenet? Yes, Tenet. But I tell you, I'm colorblind. So the red and blue got me confused. That's a oh, story okay. for another day. So I, 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 it's hard for me to see the differences in all the Good point. armies guys moving left and right. But with that being said, Inception has that similar eerie thing that, that sort of denotes uh, Christopher Nolan's film from Memento uh, to uh, Inception uh, to Interstellar to uh, Tenet, this sort of time dilation that happens, or time reversal. And in this case, it was the dream world, right? Hearkening back to a 1980s classic movie, Dreamscape, that was another good one. There's some really interesting themes that are uncovered in here, but I want to concentrate on just the last five minutes of the film. In my opinion, uh, that is perhaps the greatest movie denouement of all time. Denouement, of course, is the uh, critical term that's used to say the finishing of a great story. Uh, And the message that I got through it is one of what are you willing to do to defend and return to your loved ones? It's a message I I think it really resonates on this weekend as we get to Memorial Day. Uh, Inception, it's, it's not a war film, but the risks and sacrifices made by the players in the film are equally profound on their own level. It's a different kind of battlefield. And the, the, the quiet closing scenes, the last five minutes of the show, this, uh, this, there's a lot of ambiguity, but there's a, it, it, there's, a, there's a deep delve into the primary theme of the film, which is kind of reality versus illusion. When Cobb, who's played by Leonardo DiCaprio, one of his best roles, he's, he comes home, He's been exiled for years for the murder of his wife, which he didn't commit. He has two young children that he hasn't seen for years. But now this last job, delving into the dreams in a corporate espionage type of role, has now brought him back and he is able to see his children again. If you recall, he holds with him a totem that is something that will tell him whether or not he is truly dreaming or whether or not he is back in reality. And in the scene, the last scene, where he sees his children for the last time, before he does so, he takes the top, which is his totem, and he spins it. If the top falls, it means he's back in reality. If it spins on forever, then he, you know that he's he's dreaming. Okay, And the genius of the film's conclusion lies in in the the um, ambiguity of the final question does it fall and it also it fosters this dialogue about the nature of perception or belief is cobb's reunion with his children is it is it genuine or is it some compelling figment of his subconscious still the film never provides a clear resolution. I've never heard a bigger gasp and guffaw in the theaters. As the movie camera zooms in on the top, the pitch-perfect score of Hans Zimmer going to a moment and then blackout. You don't know whether it continues or whether it falls. And it forces us to confront, in our lives, the very disquieting possibility that our perception of reality 
can be as illusory as a dream, right? There was a in in 2015 Nolan gave a uh, a graduation ceremony the 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 keynote remarks and he said that I feel over time we started to view reality as the poor cousin to our dreams he says in a sense and I want to make the case to you that our dreams are virtual realities these abstractions that we enjoy and surround ourselves with they are subsets of our reality in a in another really interesting interview about 3 or 4 years earlier someone asked him well so there's no there's no actual ending here you don't know whether it if it falls or if it spins on forever he said no no let me stop you i know and a few of my writers know but that's it she's all what are you talking about well no if the film didn't have that definitive moment and you didn't know for sure it would leave ambiguity that would just be there so he says there is there is an actual answer to that but he has never given it and so nolan really challenges us to reflect on that importance of love and connection in shaping our realities his willingness is like he wants to remain in the dream if it is a dream and it's not a flight from reality but rather like an affirmation of his desire to be with his children even if the circumstances are illusionary. And it's a testament to human capacity to endure, to create, and to cling to the fragments of reality that provide us that solace and that meaning. And I think the ultimate beauty in the ending kind of resides in its deft exploration of, of, of the human co- condition of resilience, adaptability. It leaves us all this this terrible state of limbo, much like the the kind of dream architects in the show itself, right? It, it pushes the question like we're we're creating our reality as we see it. Kind of like is Rick Deckard a replicant? <laughs> exactly, right? Yeah, bring, bring in Blade Runner there, and and that's the whole thing. These these moments that we have, and we're going to have many more of them. These aha moments in our life where you can say, "What is that all about?" You know, and and what does it really mean? But in the end, I really do think it's about family. I think it's about the cherished love that you have for your kids and what that will drive you to do. And speaking of family, for our last segment, I'm going to bring in my better half. Miss Jenny Hart will be joining us from the homestead. This is Justin Hart in for Andrea K. Last segment coming up. Stay with us. Bringing the world a much-needed reality check. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on The Answer San Diego. Well, no one in my life gives me a better reality check than my wife. Bringing to the show now the fantastic Mrs. Jenny Hart. Hi, lovely. Hi, Jenny. Uh, I want to first thank you for bearing with me as uh, Andrea's been on vacation. And I, I stood up and said, I want to take the whole week. And uh, I will tell you, I was skeptical. She was the one, Noah, that told me to do it. She said, absolutely, take the whole week. Get him out of here. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's going to be out. Now, uh, for those of you who don't know, Jenny is a, a native of San Diego, and that's why we're down here. Her family goes back to the 1800s here in California, uh, but she grew so they up- They own San Diego is what you're telling basically, me. Basically, yeah. You, you you think so. And and so she she uh, she and, and I reside here in this area, and we have kind of a Brady Bunch uh, 
mix of folks here, and let's run them down here. Uh, we have my so, kids, huh? Yeah, here, there they go. Let me. We, what's that? We both were married. We both were married. Yes, we were both married. Had, yes. Mm-hmm, you had three, and I had two. Okay. So then, when we right. when we first got together, we had five. Like, That's together. right. That's right. So let me see. <laughs> let, let me get the name. I got mine, and then you do yours. So I got uh, mine are uh, twenty seven. No. 20, yeah, 28. 28, sorry. She keeps <laughs> 28, 25, and 20. And then. Yes. And then I have a 19 year old and a 15 year old. And then, and then we have uh, six. We have three. We have three. Yeah, three, three of a six year old, six year old, and a one year old. Okay. 25, tw- 28, 25, <laughs> 20, 19, 14, 6, 4, and almost 2. That is our cadre there. And you might think that we'd be playing the Dick Van Dyke, uh, Betty Buckley, 8 is enough music, right? Because that's 8 kids if you did the math right. But uh, we have some news, don't we, Jenny? Yeah, we're adding one more to our brood. <laughs> that's right. So Say we- what? That's right, exactly. We got one more underway. That'll make us uh, a good niner there. We've got... Um, and this this is definitely the last one I would like to use. Definitely the last. And there's only one in there. I am 12 weeks. We are over the hump of almost the first trimester. And yeah, we are so excited and thrilled for this. And um, Justin, I think it's going to be time for you to go to the doctor after this one. Oh, is. <laughs> wait. That sounds so... I, I just... I cringe every time I think of that, but I'm told it's okay, right? Um, I have birthed... I will have birthed four of your children. Okay. So I, 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 anyone, I know this is radio, but I, so, I think you'll be okay. <laughs> okay. All right. I should, you're right. I, I'll be okay. I'll be okay. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think through that. That's great. All right. Well, we are super excited. We don't know, boy or girl. Are we going to find out or are we going to wait? No. I want to wait. Oh. <sighs> Now, just so you guys know, the eight kids that are currently there, it goes girl, girl, boy, girl, 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 girl. So I, I have, and right now, the college people are out of college. And so there are literally, it's me sharing a house with six girls right now. And so, yeah. you know, you, you can imagine if something sinks up, uh, of course, you know, the... <laughs> It's it's a it's a crazy scene, and so I'm always on my guard. My I'm all I told my son, "Can you come down?" He's no way, no way, I'm coming. <laughs> but actually, we got we have a dance recital for two of the younger ones coming up in a week, and everyone's going to be there. We'll have uh, we'll have seven of the eight there. We'll have Welcome back eight to the show. eight of eight of the <laughs> nine. oh, there's Ju- there's Justin AI. Uh, that was Justin AI in the background. He's always there watching over these kids. Maybe we can get him to uh, to raise now, Jenny. The, we 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 can say as I've had now children born mm-hmm. in each of the last four decades, nineteen nineties, two thousands, two thousand tens, and two thousand twenties. That's weird, but you you are definitely a better parent than I am in so many ways. What is the one tip that you would give to uh, to people raising young kids right now, as opposed to the teenagers, which are a little bit new for you even? Oh, best advice. And by the way, you're an excellent father. I fell in love with you because you're an excellent father and you're an excellent father to all of our kids. Um, But my best advice for parents of young kids is do it now. Parent them now because you are bigger than them. And your three-year-old, they're going to act exactly like that. Again, when they turn 13, only like they're going to be bigger and have way more attitude. So you want to lay the foundation now when they're little. 
because um, teenagers, pretty much it's a repeat of the toddler years. <laughs> it's true. I'm, you know, I'm probably they're they're probably going to listen to this at some point because this will be a historical archive for our family. But I think Love you're you kids so much. <laughs> you're, you're absolutely right. Now, uh, in this, you and I both navigated COVID. Now we're navigating the woke scene. Uh, you had this tremendous comment that I used on a tweet and it went viral, which is that BLM burned a city to a ground. Some moms decided that they weren't going to shop at Target so much frequently, and all of a sudden, everyone's lost their minds. Expand on that comment quickly. I saw a headline a couple of days ago that said that Target was being threatened by moms, basically. I like threatened. All we did was stop shopping there. Like I can get, you know, Tide and strawberries a billion other places, like delivered right to my house now through my phone app. Like I don't need to shop at Target. And when they do this woke stuff that I don't agree with, I don't like, I'm just not going to shop there. It's, it's nothing. It's not that big a deal. I just I'm not going to support them when they are pushing agenda on children that I don't want pushed on my children. And somehow that's literal violence. When we all saw what happened um, in the summer of 2020 with all the violence, and there was actually a report on CNN with the reporter and the city burning in the background, and they were calling it, you know, a peaceful protest. Like, okay, there is a city on fire behind you, and that's peaceful. But now mom's just shopping elsewhere for their laundry <laughs> detergent is a threat i no 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 that does not fly thank you well and, and you have to tell you with eight kids romping around the house at one at any one point that combination of detergent and strawberries has sometimes found its own mixed together <laughs> So it's that, oh, that yeah. was a purposeful choice, either uh, subconsciously there. Look, uh, I love you. I'm uh, so thrilled to, to go on this journey with you. Thanks for uh, letting me take Andrea's show this week. It's been a bunch of fun, and um, I hope I can make it up to you. Uh, maybe we'll have another kid. No, we're not another kid after this. <laughs> Just this the, the nine. Last one. Last one. <laughs> Thank you, Jenny. Thank you, San Diego. Thank you, Noah. Thank you, Andrea. Justin Hart signing off. Welcome back to the show. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs>